0: in which he brought all things into being and some people will say as they look at the the days that are listed there they're thinking i don't know about that you know six 24-hour days you know how could god do it uh in that short amount of time but depending on how big you think god is i have a better question for you why did he take so long <laughs> i mean he could have done it in a nanosecond. Uh, but we will be giving a variety of things. We, we put a couple of reasons up there as far as uh, some considerations as why he did it in a very short period of time. Uh, but we're going to be looking at the big picture this morning, and particularly looking at the best of his creation as we look at God's Word. But before we do that, let's look to the Lord in prayer one more time. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you so much for the opportunity to be together, and we pray as uh, we just celebrated faith and those who follow the Lord in the waters of baptism, that as we are challenged about faith this morning, about what you have said in your word, uh, we pray that that might uh, challenge some of us to uh, make that step of faith and for others that it might cause us to deepen our faith and trust in you. So as we go through life, that we can trust that when you speak, you speak truth. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. The you have your Bibles I, I, encourage you to turn to the first page. It's probably after the table of contents and uh, maybe some introductory things in your Bible. But we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1 this morning. And as you're turning there, just want to let you know afterwards we have a fellowship time in our patio area. We're doing some renovations um, around our facility and we're excited about uh, how that's going to all turn out. And uh, last Lord's Day was our first day in which we weren't in the uh, fellowship center or fellowship hall and, and we did have coffee. Anybody miss coffee last time? Well, we, we, got, we got some requests from a variety of people. So we, Lord willing, have coffee today. Uh, we see that hand, um, uh, Mr. Brandon. All right. Well, you know, I was thinking about coffee. I, I heard a story about coffee, and it was this, this, it was this firm, this company, and it was the coffee break, and they all went to the coffee room, and the boss was there, and the boss was there, but he kind of pays attention. And so he was telling some recent jokes that he had uh, heard, and so he was telling them, and everybody was laughing loudly. Except for one individual, his name was Mike, and he wasn't laughing at all. And finally the boss turned to him and said, What's the matter, Mike? Don't you have a sense of humor? And he says, ah, My sense of humor is fine. Except this is my last day at work. I'm leaving tomorrow. I don't have to laugh at your jokes. <laughs> and so sometimes when we think about life, sometimes we wonder, Why are people doing what they're doing? And uh, sometimes it's not what's so obvious. And as we think about what God has done... To many, it's not obvious how he did it and why he did it, but the Bible tells us and reveals that to us. As we looked at uh, particularly creation last Lord's Day, we, we looked at what he said uh, about how it happened. And, and really, if you think, you can divide it almost in, in half in terms of what he did with the days. He began, first of all, and as he established you know, space, time, and mass universe, he began with an earth that was was made well, but it was not complete. And for the first three days, what he did is he formed it completely. And in the last three days, he filled the universe, not only in the skies, but on this planet we call Earth. But as we get to the place where we arrive, we need to recognize that God says that he saved the best for last. And that's when we enter in. And, and we really miss the point of God's record for us as far as bringing everything into existence if we don't understand what part we are called to play in, in the midst of being the height of His creation. And so this morning what we're going to talk about is being created in His image. If you have your outline this morning, what I want to do is I want to kind of race through some things that are just observations from what God has said. But what I want to emphasize is what God has said. I know we've already had you stand up a few times. Well, let's stand up one more time for the reading of God's Word, and it's from your uh, outline this morning genesis chapter one just a few verses 26 to 28 we went through 31 verses last lord's day we're going to go through three or four this morning let's look at that then god said let let's say, in fact let's read it all together then god said let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over the cattle over all the earth This morning, as we go through this series, and actually every time we go through the series, my main responsibility is to e- explain God's Word so that you understand what God is calling you to possibly believe. You can't believe something until you at least have some level of understanding about what it says. Uh, that's your challenge to decide whether this is believable or not, whether it's true or not true. But you first of all have to decide, what is it... He- God is saying in this particular record, what is the author who says it's from God saying? Well, very plainly, as we read those three or four verses, it was very clear that God says that he created us in his image. But what does that mean? And even if we understand what does it mean, what's the implication? What's the application that what's the so what of being created in God's image? And what I want to do is I want to throw out about six things for you to consider. And as I was thinking about six points of application, that's probably six more than most of us can remember. So uh, you have to pick one of them, okay? Or maybe five more than we can remember. At least pick one of these that you want to kind of linger with the entire week and say, well, what does that mean if I really believe this, and how will it change how I live? Well, let, let's, let's begin at the beginning and look at uh, maybe one observation from being made in God's image. I would make this observation. You were created to be relational by the triune God, so don't hide from people. Now, where I get that is from the very uh, first passage uh, a verse in this passage we read where it said God said, "Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and to let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and then he goes on it is we need to understand where is the source of our being? How, how did we come into existence at least from the, the bible 's perspective? We were made by a being that had plurality. Uh, the Bible says and you 've probably heard it before, is that, that the Bible presents that there's one God, but within one God, there are three persons. It's, it's a triune God, three persons within one essence of, of deity. And as we think about, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was a beginning before our beginning. And, and that beginning is where God dwelled. And sometimes people ask me, well, where did God dwell? He hadn't created the universe. It's wherever God wanted to dwell, okay? He, he figured that out. But as we think about it, God was not lonely. There was a relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And so when he brought us into existence, and if we're made in his image, and his likeness, then we do what he does, which is relate, have, have personal connection with other persons. And that's what happens within the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have relationship with each other. And so when he brought us into existence, he, he wants us to understand, well, when I bring you into this universe, I want you to understand, I bring you into this universe for relationship. Now, as I make this simple observation that God has created us for relationships, and then, therefore the application is don't hide from people, the reason we put that in there, because something happened after he first created us, a couple chapters down, and that's when sin entered this world. And you know what the first thing Adam and Eve did when they sin? They tried to hide from God. And people have been hiding ever since. And at this point, I want to make a very simple statement. We all have different personality types that have been kind of uh, uh, labeled now in recent years. That that people are are, are more either introvert or extrovert. You've heard that before. And maybe as you look at your connection with people you say well you know i'm kind of an introvert so i have a hard time connecting with people and maybe you say i'm an extrovert i just like to see everybody and talk with everybody and touch everybody and mess with everybody and i'm talking about brandon right now you know what I mean? you know that's that's me all right and then you kind of compare so well where am i in that scale am i kind of closer to brandon or or something closer to a loaf of bread you know where am i in this this whole continuum really we have a misunderstanding between what it means to be introvertish or extrovertish Okay? It's not a matter of we can't have relationships. It's just how we have relationships. You know, some people who are extroverted, I mean, they just kind of have they kind of, kind of a shotgun approach. Man, they just shoot at everybody. And other people, they more connect on a one-on-one, more personal, individual level. But it doesn't matter whether well, you like to talk to a lot of people or you like just to talk to one person at a time. We can all hide, can we? Even when you're talking to one person, you can be holding so much back that they never really get to know you. Or, or you can be friends of everybody, but really your relationships are just superficial. And, and what God wants us to have is a relationship with Him that's intimate, that's really connected, that really unfolds who we are to Him. And that's how He wants us to be with other people. So when we think about simply being created in His image and likeness, we were made to be relational. We, we are made to connect with people. Uh, hopefully that, um, and we've been pushing life groups for uh, the last uh, few weeks, particularly because we've just started our spring quarter. The reason we, we promote life groups is that's where we can kind of, in a disciplined way, have people in an environment where they can relate with one another. Because I need it more than anybody else. I'm actually in three groups during the week, all right? And essentially, as we went around and asked, answered that first question, you know, what is it you like about life groups? Almost everyone said it's, it gives me an opportunity to have fellowship or, or connect or be open and transparent or at or, or least listen, listen to other people and what's going on in their life. It's, it's a way to, to make my faith real. And, and we were made that way. And when we feel uncomfortable about relationships, and there are a variety of reasons why we, we get in that kind of environment within our own self or get that kind of look toward life, we, we're hiding. And at that point, we've got to decide, am I going to hide from who I really am or am I going to go outside of that and be who God has made me to be? We were made to be relational. We were made to have connection with people. And I would say this, the times you feel least motivated to be around people is the time you need to push yourself farther than you've ever been pushed when when you want to be away from people that's a time to say okay i got to connect now it might be one-on-one it might be in a large group it might be a smaller group but connect with people that's how god has made us that's how god is he's relational and we were made in that image secondly You were created special with God being the pattern. So don't see yourself as worthless. Um, There's a Hebrew parallelism in him, and we're going to look at another passage. And the idea here is, is very simple. If we are made in God's image and likeness, in fact, there are those who will debate this passage, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Is there a difference between image and likeness? In the Hebrew language they didn't have uh, really a way to be uh, to modify something with adjectives and maybe adverbs and so if if they were to emphasize something they might just say the same word over and over and over again uh, many of you have read passages scripture where it describes god as being not only holy but holy holy not only holy holy but holy 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 now why did it say it three times because god wanted us to get it that he is what See, you got it right there. See, he said it three times because he wants us to know that he is really holy, 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 holy. Another way they would say it, they would use different words and they would just be parallel. We are made in his image. We are made in his likeness. It's like calling someone smart, but also intelligent. Well, it's the same thing, but you're emphasizing just using the same words. But the emphasis I want us to understand in terms of being made in God's image and His likeness is that makes us um, important and special. And so we need to be very careful about not looking at ourselves and calling ourselves worthless or letting other people call us worthless. And I use that term because I know someone who likes to use that term, all right? Now, sometimes we do it and we're just kidding and, and just giving people a bad time. But you have to be very careful about allowing other people to put yourself down, put you down. I don't mean that you can stop them, but you don't have to believe what they say. Now, we do worthless things, but it doesn't make us worthless. We do things that we shouldn't do, but that doesn't make us uh, unimportant to God. Uh, Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3. I invite you always to bring your Bibles a lot of times while we'll the passage is in your outline. But in James chapter 3, the half-brother Jesus says some very straightforward things. It's right in the section where he talks about the tongue is so difficult to control. And in James 3, verse 8, 8 through 10, he says this, But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or likeness or image of God. And in case we didn't get that simple implication there. He he puts it very plainly in terms of the application. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. And and so as we think of the implication of being made in God's image and God's likeness, that means every one of us here is special. You know, one of the reasons uh, we we do name tag Sunday once a month is we want everybody to realize that you you are special, special enough that people ought to know your name. Now you need to understand here, here's the protocol as far as name tag Sunday. you need to assume that no one knows your name and, and it's all right to stare at this name tag right uh, you know when I see alice i 'm looking at her name tag, to make sure I got her name right in my wife okay it's all right to look at name tags because we want people to know each other. you know God knows your name and, and he considers you special and as we think about what we do very easily with our with our tongues is that we 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 would, once we get that sense of relationship with God, we would never try to call God worthless, what we call people worthless. We wouldn't ever think of trying to put God down, but we put people down. And, and even when we do it to ourselves, what, what we do is we, we, we forget that very simple truth that we are made in God's image and God's likeness. And so always remember that you are special in God's eyes. Thirdly, you are created set apart from all other creations, so don't see yourself as an evolved life form. Uh, or to put it very simply, what other animals are is not what we once were. Now, of course, this is countercultural today because basically our world, and particularly in, in the United States and America, we, uh, we, are, we are just hammered all the time about evolution. And we'll talk a little bit more about specifically how to respond to that. But the Bible is very clear. The last part of his creation and the only part of his creation that he made in his image was mankind. And just in case you didn't get it, it was male and female. In the life group on Wednesday, one of the one of the members of that group said, well, how come it's man was created in God's image? No, he says male and female was created in his image. I mean, we, the, the, the woman was pulled from the side of man to demonstrate there was a unity there, but each one was made uniquely by God in a special way. And, and we sometimes fail to realize that the implications of believing that we are just some higher evolved form has no impact and how we value life or devalue life. Probably most of us here are are familiar with a group called PETA. Anybody, for those sports fans, Brandon kind of shook his head like he doesn't know what he's, well, anyway, is that, remember Michael Michael Vick and all that went on with Michael Vick? Now he realizes that if I give a sports illustration, he understands it, okay? Well, PETA is People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, and it's a pretty strong political action group in our society. Uh, When things go wrong, uh, you can get put in jail if they have this whole group uh, against you. Uh, Well, particularly PETA is well known for its stance that animal rights are equal to or more important than human rights. They maintain that killing any animal for food is the moral equivalent of murder. Eating meat is virtually cannibalism and man is a tyrant species detrimental to his environment. PETA opposes... The keeping of pets and companion animals, including guide dogs for the blind. A 1988 statement distributed by the organization includes this. As John Bryant has written in his book, Fettered Kingdoms, companion animals are like slaves, even if well-kept slaves. Ingrid Newkirk, PETA's controversial founder, says this. There is no rational basis for saying that a human being has special rights. A rat is a pig, is a dog, is a boy. Newkirk told a Washington Post reporter that the atrocities of Nazi Germany pale by comparison to the killing of animals for food. Six million Jews died in concentration camps, but six billion broiler chickens will die this year in slaughterhouses. You, you see, if, if we see ourselves as simply the last in the chain of an involved animal progression, then really you have to ask yourself a question, what makes us more important than them? And and, and God uniquely created mankind in his image and his likeness. And, And so we need to reject the thought that we are just some evolved being from a lower kind. And there are a lot of films out there that will describe a lot of different things. You know, Planet of the Apes, and they do some remaking of that. That's not going to happen. That God, and we'll see this a little bit later, He gave us the responsibility to have dominion over this world. These things in this world were made for our enjoyment and for our sake. And now we are to be good stewards over them, but they are not equal to man. And, And there's so many different expressions of that 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 filter into our society. Uh, Most of us are aware there's a variety of types of churches or religious organizations in this world. Have uh, have you heard of the Church of Euthanasia? Let me tell you, uh, you can go on their website, and it's pretty crazy, but uh, let me just tell you some of the things there. This webpage advocates suicide, abortion, cannibalism, and sodomy as the main ways to decrease the human population. Although the webpage contains elements of parody designed you know, really for shock value, the people behind it are deadly serious. They include detailed instructions for committing suicide. The one commandment church members are required to obey is thou shalt not procreate. Uh, th- there are groups in this world that they want zero population growth. They feel that the, the reason we have problems in this world is we got too many of us here. And, and so as we think about that very first chapter in God's record of His word and will for our lives, when He says that we are creating His image and likeness, that we are uniquely creatures that He has put on this planet to fulfill His plan. And so you need to resist the thought that somehow you are just like any other animal on this planet. What being made in God's image and... And what's the so what? You were created to be relational by the triune God, so don't hide from people. You were created special with God being the pattern, so don't ever see yourself as worthless. You were created set apart from all other creations, so don't see yourself in his involved life form. What other animals are is not what you once were. And then fourthly, you were created in the image, and that word image actually means literally carving in the Greek. You were kind of carved out as, with God's hand. So do appreciate your uniqueness. Well, in what ways are we created different from other animal life forms? Well, let me give you a few. A, you are self-conscious. You are personally aware. Remember that, I think it's from Hamlet. To be or not to be, that is the question. Now, um In our family, we didn't have a whole lot of pets. Let me, I, I think I've shared that before. We had a goldfish, you know, we, you know and that was about it. And we, we had four kids, and I had our time handling four kids. So we didn't have a lot of animal critters running around our, 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 uh, our homestead. Okay? And many of you have, have great relationships with your pets, but I, I dare say none of them have ever said to be or not to be. That is the question. Like, they, they're not personally aware. Okay? They, they enjoy life. God has given them the breath of light, but they are not personally aware. They are not self-conscious. They probably don't go around thinking about their self-image or self-esteem or self-worth. That's not who they are. Secondly, you have moral consciousness. You are not only personally aware, you are morally aware. Now, it doesn't take long to become morally aware that your, that your actions have consequences. If you live in a home, you do something, usually there's some kind of consequence for the people around you. But there's even a greater consequence to that in terms of us being morally aware. Uh, people who even deny that there is a God, you push them a little bit. There is, there is in the back of their heart and mind hoping that when they die, that when they stand before whatever might be out there, that they're going to get a passing grade. And why is that? Because God has put in the heart of every person on this planet that we are accountable for our actions, not only with each other, but with some supreme being who brought us into existence. And though we try to suppress that truth, people wonder about that. There is no no surprise to say there there are no atheists in foxholes. Because when people are faced with that experience of life and death, they wonder about what's going to happen next. And why is that? Because there's a moral consciousness that we're morally aware. And, of course, that just leads to the the third simple truth. We have a consciousness of God. We are spiritually aware. Basically, as you look at life, you have to either come to the grips that you think, Again, matter is not only eternal, but it's all that is. And that when people are existing, it's all about the firing synapses that are going on in your brain and, and this, this earth suit that God has given us. Or there's something inside us more than what drives us physically. And, and that's what the Bible calls a soul or a spirit. And, and there is no mystery why when Jesus was here, and when he talked about entering into the kingdom of God, he says, you must be born, What? Again, you must be born by the Spirit that, that we uniquely by God have been made in a way that we are not only aware personally, personally aware, we have a self-conscious, not only do we have a sense of accountability, moral consciousness, but we have a spiritual consciousness that there's, there's something more to us than just the physical things that, that drive us. Fifthly this morning, you were created with personhood like God. So pursue living it out in a way that honors Him. You know, Star, uh, Star Wars, you know, it's the, it, the force be with you. Well, the Bible does not present God as simply some energy force out in the universe that brought all things into existence. That we believe not only a supreme being, a God, but He's a personal God, that you can know Him personally. And we've already kind of touched on that. But as we think about that, if we can know God personally, what reflects from that? What should come from that? We ought to live in a way that honors him. In fact, some have said this. There are basically three things God wants us to do in relationship to being made in his image and his likeness, being that special creation. And the first one is simply this, is that you need to live in a such a way that you are a picture of what God is like. Now, how, 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 could, that be, how, could, that, how could we demonstrate that? Well, let me try to put it in in a sense non spiritual terms because this is who God is and and what He has made, and this is how we can see him and this is how He wants us to live i I gave I threw ten things down here number one we, we ought to appreciate beauty when you look at all that 's around us and, and when we just marvel at a sunset or or, uh, or at, at some ocean front or some mountain uh, display of, of of glory. You ought, to, you ought to just appreciate beauty. Have you ever been around someone who just doesn't see anything beautiful in this world? I mean, they're just like, they're, they're always negative. I mean, you know, when, you know, when they're uh, walking through a, a, a valley or a, a meadow, all they look for is something to step into. You know, they're just, they're just, they don't see anything. And see, when we walk as if God has made us, we appreciate the beauty that he's created. You know, secondly, uh, that we love diversity. That we we recognize that that God has made everyone unique and special. And, and we don't want everyone to be just like us. We, we ought to love diversity. You know, it's interesting. As I was thinking about that this past week, I was, I was, I was thinking about God creating. And you know, I was thinking, you know, there's so many out there just wonder, you know, this isn't, this isn't so much different than everything I've heard. And I was thinking about. I remember. I remember in the 80s that there was a there was some kind of scientific study done where they, they began to trace everybody back to one ancestral source. Uh, I'm kind of dating myself. And then I, I went back and did a Google search this past week. And and we look at diversity and we think, well, then how could it, how could it all come from Adam and Eve? Let me me just uh, share with you a little bit about that. In 1987, a group of geneticists published a surprising study in a journal called Nature. The researchers examined the mitochondrial DNA taken from 147 people across all of today's major racial groups. These researchers found that the lineage of all people alive today falls on one of two branches in the humanities family tree. So now they got it down to two. But then they went on and said, even more impressive, the geneticists concluded that every person on earth right now can trace his or her lineage back to a single common female ancestor. Guess who they call this one single female ancestor? Eve. As we think of all the diversity, it all came from a sense of God's initial creation, geneticists at least a group of scientists made that conclusion looking at the data that they looked at now of course you've had people debate that since then but as as god brought diversity we need to recognize it all comes from unity we're all from one human race there have been uh, things that we've adapted to our environment but it all comes from one place and so we can love unity in the midst of diversity we ought to appreciate beauty, we ought to love diversity, we ought to be wise. God is all-knowing and all-wise, and so He delights for us to follow in in those footsteps. We ought to value truth. Uh, You know, think about it. You know, Jesus, when He was here, He personified truth. I am the way, uh, the truth, and the life. And God's people, when we follow after truth, we are in direct opposition to the enemy that we face. Uh, the evil one, Satan, is the father of all lies. And when we fall after God, we fall after the father of truth. We ought to people who not only experience grace, but we ought to give grace. We get what we don't deserve from God. When we act like we are created in his image, then we give grace to other people, giving them what they don't deserve. We ought to commit to righteousness. We live in a world that is anxious to get away with anything they can. But we need to be committed to people who do that which is right, whether we get applause from that or not. We ought to desire goodness. The difference between committed to righteousness and desire goodness is that we don't want to just be external in our righteousness. We want to have goodness flow from the heart. Uh, We, above all people in this world, ought to enjoy life. We we believe knowing God brings us the fullness of joy. And as we think about God who, who gives us knowledge of him through revelation that we ought to be people who communicate ideas god has given us a mind and not only a mind but the ability to communicate that in your life groups this week you'll you'll look at some of the things that that god has done even in creating us in a certain way so that we are able to communicate and then even as we've talked before we ought to participate in relationships now now there's all ways where we can mess with god's plan. And as we, as we have messed with God's pen, we need to recognize that, that we all fall into that. And as we're creating God's image, there, there is something that needs to happen. Not only are we creating God's image, but now God realizes that we need to become new creatures. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation, a new creature. We all have worth. Every single person on this planet has worth. But for them to receive life, they need to be, become recreated again. But when we live out God's plan for our life, we display to the world who God is. So what does it mean to be made in God's image or likeness? We are created to be relational by the triune God, so don't hide from people. You You don't have to relate with people just like everybody else does, but don't hide from them. Secondly, You were created special with God being the pattern, so don't ever see yourself as worthless. Don't put yourself down and let other people put yourself down. If they put you down, just don't believe it. Don't buy the lie that you're not special. Thirdly, you were created set apart from all other creations, so don't see yourself as evolved a light form. We are not the problem on this planet. That God has created us to have dominion rule over. And we're going to see that in a moment. You were created in the image, literally carving a God. So appreciate your ni- uniqueness. You are morally aware, you're, you're personally aware, and you're spiritually aware. And you are created with personhood. So, uh, so pursue living out a way that honors Him. And then finally this morning. You were created with purpose and responsibilities. <laughs> so don't be lazy. We are not here just to, to sit in the soak and hear about God's truth. We are here to live it out. In, in the very beginning, we, we see God says in, said in Genesis chapter 1 that we were to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill this earth, and that we were to have dominion and subdue that which He has created. So we are to provide life in God's realm, and we are to provide leadership in God's realm. And, and you know, providing life... It, you know, God has, God you know, and there are those here who brought new life recently into this world as far as God has blessed them with children. And, and, and that's a good thing. That is, that is what God has ordained from the very beginning. But, you know, in every sense, we can also provide life, not only physical life, but we can provide spiritual life for people. Uh, that's why God has left us here as well, so that we might be His agents, so that people might experience life, not only that will last here, but forever. When we explain to them the... the the person who is life. And, and then whenever we are involved in anything in life, we ought to be people that, that are good stewards of the things He has brought into our life. And that, that works out in home, in your homes, at your workplace, at your schools, in your, in your connection with people, and your faithfulness to God and His church, that, that we are called to be people that live out His plan in very specific ways. Let me ask you this morning, Do you realize God has a plan for your life? And he's always had a plan for your life. And it began at the very beginning. The issue for each one of us is, uh, are we passionate about knowing that one who has brought us into this life? And are we passionate about knowing the one who came to give us life that will last forever? In many ways, it's, Even as we look at Adam and Eve, it was their choice either to obey God or disobey God. To cherish what he had done for them or to look out for another direction and another voice. God announces his story from the very beginning for us to know that he has a plan. And that plan has been illustrated so clearly in what his son came to do. We get on God's plan this way. It's as simple as the ABCs. We admit that we have a need. And then we'll turn from that which separates us from God, which is our sin. Uh, Secondly, we we believe. We believe that Jesus fully paid the penalty for our sins and rose again. And then we make that step to commit. We commit to follow Jesus as our Lord, our God, and our Savior. This morning, uh, Ferris and Carol Jean demonstrated in that public way. And how silly of of a symbol that was unless it speaks of a real truth. There came a point in their life where they recognized that they wanted their old life to be dead and new life found in Christ. That that's the imitation of the one who made you in his image and wants to make you a new creature in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the hope and the life that's found in the one who made us and the one who sent his son die for us. And Father, as we uh, continue to worship you this day, we we pray that each of us might be challenged by the truth that you have a plan for our life and you want us to live it out. To live it out in such a way that people see a picture of who you are and how we respond to the challenges of life and the responsibilities of life. And Father, if there be anyone here this morning that hasn't made that first step, might this be the day in which they invite Christ they admit their need, they believe in him, and they commit to follow after him. And might they begin that journey of following you faithfully with their lives. And we praise in Christ's name. Amen.